either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Superheroes, Nick Cage, and more. Maybe he qualifies as a superhero by now <laughs> to check out this week. And uh, we will. Welcome to it. This is the Screening Room Podcast. And she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. We are from MadWolf.com. And let's start with the superheroes. Carol Danvers gets her powers entangled with those of Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau, forcing them to work together to save the universe. It's the Marvels. She's entangled our light-based powers. So we switch places whenever we use them. Strong theory. She's targeting every planet we call home. I would never choose to bring anybody into this. You are not the only thing standing between this and the universe. Oh my god, we're a team. Higher. Further. Faster. Can you? I got it. Not everybody loved Captain Marvel. I did. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I I was I was a big fan of it. I was a big fan of Brie Larson as the character. I was a big fan of uh, the way the character was presented. Yeah. She's kind of a dick, and <laughs> yeah. I was all for that because you're always allowed for male characters. They always get to just be dicks if they want to, and just ride off on their own and leave everybody behind, and it's always fine. And for some reason, it ruffled a lot of feathers for it to be not a guy who was doing it this time, and I was all for it. No, I thought it was fine. And, uh, you know, since since Thanos, really, the last couple of phases, and I, I lost count of the, what phase we are in Marvel. we're in phase four. Okay. Either way, after Thanos, it's been pretty uneven. Yes. Uh, oh, with, definitely. With the live action stuff. I mean, we've had some real stinkers. I mean, Qu- Ant-Man, Quantumania. Terrible. Um, Thor, Love and Thunder. Bad. Eternals. Not good. And you have, okay, we liked The Last Guardians of, Gal- sure. of the Galaxy, yeah. and even uh, Doctor Strange uh, Madness, Multiverse yeah, of Madness. Sam Raimi. So it's just been uneven, let's yeah. put it that way. And this one is certainly not great, but I think I think it gets it back on some steady ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's fun. It's it's pretty forgettable, Yeah. but it's still fun. And it also, fun. and this is big for a lot of people, I, I'm finding out and talking to people this week, this is the, sh- I think it's the shortest Marvel superhero adventure. This clocks in at an hour and 45 minutes, and that's at the very end if you're yeah. waiting for the mid-credit. Yeah. There is a mid-credit stinger, a pretty important one, yeah. pretty surprising yeah. one. Then at the end, at the very end, there's really just a sound effect if yeah. you want to hang around. But an hour and 45 minutes, sometimes that's half a Marvel movie. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So for a lot of people, that's important. But this one, I think, and and we don't, watch any of the side series we don't watch any of the shows we keep hearing that a lot of them are very good and i i I accept that yeah but to me having not seen any of them i this one sort of feels like a blending of the two oh for sure you've get well first of all you've got the the director here nia DaCosta, Mm -hmm. from candy man so good and also uh, little woods which is a brilliant film which a lot of people miss but a very good film so excited about that she also co-writes and she co-writes with two people from the uh, Marvel series. Megan McDonald worked on uh, WandaVision and Alyssa Karasik worked on Loki. So I think that helps in just getting that that feeling, that fun sort of small screen feeling to the big screen because there is a lot of fun in here. There's some wackiness. There's some silliness. One big laugh out loud moment. Oh, for sure. 
But there are some some bumpy spots along the way, too. And uh, this time, as you can tell from the synopsis in the title, Captain Marvel gets some help. Uh, and you've got Ms. Marvel, and that is a TV series as well. So uh, you you got uh, her character, Kamala Khan, uh, brings is part of the team. And she is played by Iman Vellani, who pretty much walks away with this yeah, movie. She, really she is does. a scene stealer. Yeah, she is. And what a charmer she is. And and that whole idea, the storyline, it, it, it brings so much charm and energy it to does. this film. Yeah, because she idolizes mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, she has not yet met her. Yeah. She's got her posters all over the wall and things like that. But she gets to meet her here. And I think her... Her disbelief that she's finally getting to do this just makes is, is sort of infectious and and gives the film, like you said, a, a nice charm. And then you've got, also got Monica Rambo, Captain Rambo. And if you remember in the original Captain Marvel, she was the little girl yeah. that called her Aunt Carol. Mm-hmm. Well, she has grown up now, played by Tiana Paris. And, from Candyman. From Candyman, yeah. And I believe that character is a part of WandaVision, I think. Mm. So... Again, so that's the way that all they're all blended together. So without going too much into it, they find out that they all, all three of them have light powers, light-based powers. And they find that when they use them, they switch physical spaces. Wherever one is, suddenly they're at the other place, and they just switch. And that's going to make it tough when they have to battle Kree warrior Dar Ben, played by Zawei Ashton, for the universe. Because the things about jump points and surges and wormholes and the whatnots. Right, and the whatnots. And, and Nick Fury is involved, of course, Samuel L. Jackson. And Goose, the alien cat, is involved, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you liked Goose the first time, you're going to love this one. <laughs> uh, so that's basically it. They have to battle for the, uh, for the universe and go back and forth, figure out a way to do it while they're switching places every time that they use their powers. So. There are some fun, fun sequences. There's a there's a segment, at least for me, because it gets a little wacky. In yeah, spots. definitely. Yeah. It does. And there's a there's a really weird offshoot where they go to this planet that only communicates through song. I thought that was just felt that felt totally flat for me. Totally flat. But then not too long after that, it comes back with a musical number that is laugh out loud funny. Oh yeah, it's the funniest part of the movie. Uh, so you so you've got a little bit of, you know, give and take. And also I thought as has been the case with a few of these most more recent Marvel uh, episodes, I'm thinking especially of Quantumania, some of the visuals are just, ooh, a little rough. Yeah, yeah. As you were saying, the the wide shots, like the big world views, they look really great. But once you're like sort of on the soundstage with the actors, it looked, it looked a, a little, little Star Trek-y. It did. Right? A it little did. lost in space even. It, it did. It looked a little cheap. And some of the, even some of the costuming looked just a little thrown together. Not as not as detailed, not as authentic as maybe some have in the past. And you, you read a lot of stuff, I guess, that what's going on behind the scenes at Marvel, whatever. There's... There's uh, reasons for that. But I thought the visuals in some cases lacked a little bit. It is, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. You know, if you were to compare, this is a very fun movie. It's a perfectly enjoyable throwaway film. It is a funny idea in all of these things that we're talking about that it could come from the same group of people who made Black Panther, Mm -hmm. for example. The original Black Panther, which won every Oscar for every visual, for costuming, for it's like every last stitch Every everything you could think yeah. of, everything you saw, everything you heard, everything it was all so completely thoroughly thought through and served a purpose. And and then these last few Marvel movies, you know, Quantumania or Thor: Love and Thunder, or in this movie, you don't feel that way at all. You right. feel like it was all kind of like 
tossed together. Right. Well, they crank so many of these out. Yeah. And, you know, it, it can go back to something that we bring up a lot with, with Pixar. You're sort of a victim of your own high points. Yeah. When you see something like that, yeah. Black Panther, then, yeah, yeah this is this is fine. You're not going to walk out of the movie going, wow, and, and can't wait for the next installment. No. It's a fun hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's about it. And there is a pretty surprising mid-credit stinger. Yeah. Uh, I was certainly surprised to see what they did there. So yeah, I mean, it's not one of the best of the year by any means, no, but it's we recommend it so for a much fun of time. It, you know, anymore, it, it, a lot of it feels like the movies are in service of the TV shows as opposed to the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know which way it ought to be, but since we don't watch TV, I'd rather yeah. that the movies got a little bit more investment. Yeah. But like you said, I mean. It seems you know, like a blend of the two. It's and, just fun. And, and you know what? We should mention, because you mentioned while we were while we were looking at the credits, You know, not only do you have the stars, you have the director, you have the writers, so much of the production of all across the board of this movie, females. Yeah, it was women all over the place. And it is. You know, and, and I always notice this anymore. Uh, I just, you know, I just eyeball the credits as they come up mm-hmm. and just ask myself whether any women had any creative control of anything that went on. I mean, down, and especially in a Marvel film, you know that you're eventually you're looking at screens. One screen will have nine columns of names, and you're, but it, I would say it was maybe almost majority women. Um, behind the scenes yeah. in this, and which so, is fantastic. And so you know that's even going to bring more online venom out. Oh, I mean, yes. you know, the fangs have been out for Brie Larson for a while now, which I just don't understand. But uh, so some of the stuff you might read, some of the some of the bad word, about, just keep in mind that Brain a lot of, of that is coming from these orchestrated campaigns because they've decided that it just shouldn't exist. And the, I mean, the truth is, it's not great. It's, it's not. It's, it's not fine. great. But it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's fun. It's a quick. It, it certainly feels quick, yeah. especially by Marvel standards. Uh, enjoyable time. And that's and that's about it. And that is the Marvels in theaters everywhere now. Let's stay in theaters. The latest from director Alexander Payne. Comedy drama about a cranky history teacher at a remote prep school forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student who has no place to go. It's the holdovers. You don't tell a boy that's been left behind at Christmas that nobody wants him? What's wrong with you? There's nobody here, okay? You stay out of my way, and I'll stay out of yours. Now, most of the kids dislike you, pretty much hate you. Teachers, too. You know that, right? I find the world a bitter and complicated place, and it seems to feel the same way about me. I think you and I have this in common. I don't think I've ever had a real family Christmas like this before. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. History is not simply the study of the past. It is an explanation of the present. See, when you say it that way and throw in some pornography, it's a lot easier to understand. You're going to get me fired. This is your Rubicon. Do not cross the Rubicon. Alexander Payne, who directed, of course, The Descendants, and he directed Sideways. Sideways and, oh, yeah. Yeah. Quality, uh, Nebraska, oh, yeah. quality stuff. And Paul Giamatti, who is, re- you're reminded in this movie how good he is, and especially in a role, he's so perfect for this role. Yeah, he is. So perfect. It is, and it's, I believe it's a debut script for uh, David Hemmingson, who's done a lot of TV, mm-hmm. which, as some of the, to me, the the um, calculated, more contrived antics in this do feel a little TV little TV episodic. or episodic, a little episodic, but still, we like this film. 
Very much. And it's set in December of 1970 at Barton School. It's a New England boys prep school. Just going on the two-week break. And a group of boys have to stay behind for one reason or another, and they're called the holdovers. And and Paul Giamatti's character, the uh, history teacher, Mr. Hunnam, he kind of, he more or less volunteers. Kind of gets suckered into. But he knows yeah. what he's getting into, yeah. to be the babysitter, to hang, o- to hang around uh, campus for two weeks. And then, by some other stroke of luck, four of the five boys get to leave. Yep. They get to go with this other boy to his rich, uh, his rich hideaway. His, his dad comes in a, in a helicopter and picks him up. <laughs> but they can't get a hold of Angus's parents. So Angus, played by Dominic Sessa in his debut. He he's ha- great. He's, yeah, he's great. He has to stay behind, not only with Mr. Hunnam. And they, do, they don't like each other at all. I mean, Mr. Hunnam is pretty much the most hated. The, the kids call him Walleye. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he doesn't like them either. Uh, and, and also staying around is the kitchen manager, uh, Mary, played by Divine Joy Randolph. Because she doesn't want to go home with her family to celebrate because her son died in Vietnam recently. And she just can't sort of bear the festivities, the right. festive right. Uh, so, nature of it. So early on, there's there's fun, some bittersweet fun with the fact that during this time of comfort and joy and goodwill, these people are reveling in spite and resentment and grief, and they're not having a great no, time. No, they're not. And like we said, Paul Giamatti, great with this guy who pretty much has has made a bargain that he he doesn't like life and life doesn't like him. Right. And so he gets a lot of pleasure out of making life miserable for these entitled rich kids right. at this school. He has no problem doing that. And and uh, kitchen manager Mary, she is she's still hurting from the fact that w- why you know her son had to go to Vietnam. And none of these spoiled boys none of are these, have these to. spoiled boys are preparing for college instead of war and why is was her son more expendable? She's having a understandably yes. tough time with that. And the movie does um, address that, but it is that sounds very heavy, and it is, and it's serious, but it is still funny. Yeah. And then as the movie goes along, they decide to take a, a field trip, and that's where it gets a little bit contrived. But so they find out, as you probably expect, that they have more in common than they thought, and that's where the it, it turns into it turns warm and human, and it benefits from some really good performances. Yeah, all the way around. Of course, you expect Paul Giamatti to be great because he's simply great. He's just one of the most talented actors that has ever been. And he's, as you said, he's perfect for this role. He's great in this movie. You know, and then uh, Divine Joy Randolph has been really good in everything I've seen her in, actually. Yeah. She came, from to me, out of nowhere in um, the Eddie Murphy Dolomite. Dolomite film. She was great in that. She's been great in everything. And she's really good in this movie because she's having none of it, you know? And she's just, she's very human and unpretentious, whereas all of the other characters have all of these pretensions sort of built up on uh, on top of them. And and she's really wryly funny. Her face is hysterical. Oh, so Just she, the faces that she, she has makes. No time for this. No. Foolishness. And like you said, the you know, Sessa is his first movie. Yeah. He's really wonderful. He I is. mean, the three and the three actors, uh, they feel very authentic in the people that they that they're creating, yeah. and the uh, the chemistry among them is wonderful. Yeah, and because one of the things Mr. Hunnam says about history is that. History just doesn't tell you about the past. It also explains the present. Yeah. And, of course, we start learning about the past of these three characters, especially the young man and the older man and how they really do. There's reasons for the way they're acting. Yeah. And they don't see that in each other right away. And so, of course, the the message really stands out as it gets uh, further along that, hey, look, we're all going through something. 
don't judge people, especially this time of year. This yeah. this message is going to resonate more. Be kind. We're all having, you know, life can be unfair. We've all struggled with something to make us the way we are. And it's it's a sweet, warm movie. And it's it's also very funny. And the performances are very, very good. And it looks amazing. It it's, does. You know, it, it, not just the sort of uh, set decoration and things like that has a 1970 timestamp, but the actual sort of the cinema that yeah. they use, yeah. you know, it's everything about it feels like 1970. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, it really, right from the very beginning, yeah. the way they open the film, yeah. it really brings you back to, yeah, to 1970. And it also... There's snow everywhere. You'll feel cold. You'll, <laughs> you'll definitely <laughs> feel cold. But it's that time of year, and it's a good, uh, good time to uh, get the message of the holdovers in theaters now. Let's stay in theaters. And if, like us, you are excited for Christmas but don't quite want to let go of Halloween, how about this? After saving her town from a psychotic killer, Winnie Carruthers' life is less than wonderful. When she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe where without her, things could be much, much worse. It's a wonderful knife. I stood under the aurora and said everyone would be better off if I never existed. Well, wish granted. No one in this town knows me. Who are you? Dad. You weren't around to stop him, so he just kept going. He likes killing. I'm here now. Let's have some fun. Hey, you. Hey. Merry Christmas. We gotta stop him. And get my life back. You'd be safe now. Leave. Nice title. We appreciate a good pun. We do. We do. And it does. It's one of those where you think to yourself, I wonder if the title came first. Yeah. You know, somebody was like, that's a great title for a horror movie. And then they said, well, what if this happened? Uh-huh. Uh, but whatever direction it went, uh, it's a fun movie. And it's a funny idea, right? So at the, it's Christmas Eve and there's this there's this murderer on the loose and a, a teenage girl's uh, the murderer kills her friend, several of her friends, her best friend, and she kills the murderer. And then a year later, Christmas Eve, everybody else has put it behind him. Everybody else is ready for Christmas. They're all merry, and she just can't get past it, right? She's killed someone, and her best friend is dead, and she's not ready for this merriment. And so then she that's when she decides that she wishes she had never been born because she's such a Debbie Downer. And you think to yourself, ma'am, did you remember that while you were alive, you stopped a murderer? Because what happens? And that's what she turns around to find, of yeah. course, is that... Well, without her there, nobody stopped the murderer. And the murderer really enjoyed what he was doing. And so now there's like new murders every other week. And this is the town that she comes into. That moment feels from the beginning dumb. But, but that's not actually the point of the film, right? She's not the one who's being saved. And I think that that's what kind of, it turns it around by the end. We're like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, I get it. Right. So, so don't give up on it when that happens. Yeah, the um, the director is Tyler McIntyre, Tragedy Girls. Yep. Also had a VHS yeah. uh, segment. And the writer, Michael Kennedy. Freaky. Freaky. Well, I was going to say, it really taps into that. There's this vibe of comedies like Freaky, like Happy Death Day. Yep. That's sort of very hip, yeah. wink, wink, kind of fun, sort of comedy, sort of horror, and this rides that wave pretty well. It does. It really does. And the performances, especially, you know, Justin Long, right there, right there. Oh. You know, he's like- tur- <laughs> he's fake be- teeth, oh and God. he's got this hair. <laughs> oh, and the spray, the spray yeah. tan. He's so great in this, but also, yeah. he's just, anytime you see that Justin Long is in a horror movie, you're like, 
I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. I think I will enjoy this one. Yeah. And and he's he's great in he this. Is. And, Just uh, especially when he's being patri- so patronizing. Oh, yeah. People already have said about him he's got a punchable face. Well, <laughs> he you know, he really leans into he that, does. doesn't he? He does, yeah. <laughs> and Joel McHale is great as well and um Jane Woodup is uh, Winnie. Yeah. And then we see- Catherine Isabel, always great to see her. Yeah. Love her in everything. It's fun to see her in this movie. And it's funny because- um... You know who we also see? I'm sorry, I just want to give a plug yes. to Cassandra Nod. Yeah. Who, she's not in it a lot. No. But she, we were so impressed with uh, by her in uh, Influencer yes. that we got to see at Nightmares yeah. Film Festival last year. If you haven't seen Influencer, Do check it. that out too because she is great she in that She is movie. great. And it's a small part in here, but but it's very likable. And one of the things that, you know, there's there's- um, we were just talking about how there's uh, pushback on the Marvels because there are so many women, women involved. Right. There's pushback on this film because there are so many gay characters, which is so dumb. It's just the dumbest idea that that's problematic. So, um, you know, if that if you have an issue, if you take issue with that, you know, we don't want we don't care. If you are looking for that in a movie, feel excited because there's a lot of representation in this movie and it's super fun. It's super fun. It's not, you know, I, I have to say that I didn't um, I didn't love it as much as, as Tragedy Girls, which, mm-hmm. well, Tragedy yeah. Girls gets a bonus because it's set in Ohio, but I love Tragedy <laughs> Girls, and both of us, we love Freaky. Freaky was so, so great. fun. Yeah. So I wouldn't put this, I, like, even with those two, but it's still really a fun film. Oh, it definitely is, and definitely worth checking out this time of year, and I love this, this you know, we've, we've had a revival of Christmas horror. Fan of it. Yeah. Fan of it. So enjoy. It's a wonderful knife in theaters now. Well, if you're thinking, hey, you you mentioned Nick Cage at the top. Where's my Nick Cage? Here's your Nick Cage on VOD. An Ivy League dropout travels to the Colorado wilderness where he joins a team of buffalo hunters on a journey that puts his life and sanity at risk. It's based on a highly acclaimed novel by John Williams. This is Butcher's Crossing. What can I do for you? I would like to go on a hunt. This will be one of the biggest horrors anyone has ever seen. Miller, there's no sense shooting more we can skin. You will skin them, Fred. Right. I'll shoot you. <laughs> what are we still doing out here? I'm out here to hunt buffalo. Oh. <clears throat> All that they're hard. And sell them. When we're done, we'll sure have something to show for them. You better start running it's gone. Western Nick Cage. Uh, bald Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Uh, hunting buffalo and descending into madness. Yeah, and this movie was made with a with a pretty minimal budget and you're hard pressed to tell that. I think the most impressive thing about this movie is, especially in the outdoor scenes, like in the you know in the wilderness scenes, it is so gorgeous. It is so beautifully shot, uh, and and you you follow we follow this group of four men, who um, a young man as you mentioned who who is an Ivy League dropout. He wants to explore. He wants to find himself basically, and he goes to Kansas looking for some sort of adventure and uh and he he gets involved with this 
buffalo hunt, but they're not going to hunt nearby. They're going to go all the way to the Rockies because Nick Cage's character, he guarantees the best hides, the healthiest buffalo, thousands and thousands, and nobody believes him. And, and this this kid is like, yeah, let's go. They're going to go all the way to the Flemish cap. They're gonna- <laughs> That's exactly, it's exactly that movie, actually. Look it up, kids. Yep. And so, you know, they do, and once they get there, you know, it's it's very tough to get there, and once they get there, he's he's accurate. There are so many buffalo, and of course, what you should do is just take what you need and can carry home. Right. But they won't stop. Nope. And so, in that right there, you can see, especially, you know, when they show the shot of just the carcasses, just carcass yeah. after carcass after carcass. Yeah. You know, this uh, very American story of of this just bloodlust for success uh, mm. without any consequences. Um, and, and that is where the descent into madness happens. And the truth is, I never thought I would say this, um, Nick Cage is not a very convincing lunatic in this movie. That is surprising. Yeah. I would have to say... I I consider him the weak link, honestly, in this film. I think the rest of the cast, it's a small cast, and they're very convincing in their roles. But everything hinges on him as your Colonel Kurtz, and you just you just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. He's not particularly menacing. Um, he's not like one of those charismatic personalities that you just follow wherever. And then when it finally comes time for him to be, just be full-on insane, you just expect more out of Nick Cage. Yeah. Yeah, uh, by this time we do, especially if it has anything to do with descending into madness. Right. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Exactly. Nick Cage is going to get a hold of that. A bit surprising there. But we do want to mention, you mentioned some of the supporting roles. Uh, Fred Heckinger, mm-hmm. you might remember from Tom Hanks' News of the World. Yeah, yeah. he plays actually a sort of similar character. In that movie, he was, he was already sort of bedraggled and filthy, but he was like a sweetheart at heart. And in this film, he's... Yeah, he's the innocent who is just, you know, it's his, essentially, it's his coming-of-age film. And he does a nice job. He really does. Also, Paul Racy from Sound of Metal, so great. He was Nominated great. for an Oscar for yeah, Sound of Metal. Yeah, I think he won. Did he win? I, I think can't he, remember. I know I, he was nominated. I think he, he won. He might have. And he was, he's, it's a very interesting character. Very mm-hmm. different from what you think. He's like a rascal. He's real angry. Um, It's an interesting character that he plays and does a great job. The whole supporting cast is really quite good. The co-writer and director is Gabe Polsky. Who does? He's made several documentaries since his feature debut. His feature debut is called Motel Life, which I enjoyed very much. Yeah. And it's another one that, on a very limited budget with a couple of very solid performances, creates an authentic atmosphere of completely different 180 from this, the atmosphere. But he does a great job, the director does, in creating a very authentic atmosphere. And that is on VOD now. It's called Butcher's Crossing. Next up, one that had a one-day event in some cities, some showings in theaters a couple of weeks ago. But now it's out on VOD, horror comedy. Fledgling occultist Onyx and a group of worshippers attend a once-in-a-lifetime ritual at their idol Bartok the Great's mansion. It's Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. In the grimoire, after the ritual of Abaddon, there was a warning. Beware the prophecy of Fortuitous one. What? 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 Arthur Strilberry and the... I'd really love it if you called me Onyx the Fortuitous. Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. Oh, hey. (laughs) What are y'all doing in here? Yeah, there's a, a YouTube sensation. His name is Andrew Bowser. <laughs> He's very funny. 
Um, and well, you you described him, and I think you summed it up well. A cross between Napoleon Dynamite and Jack Black. That's it. Yes. Yeah, that is that is essentially who he is. And the thing is, uh, you know, even if you don't want to commit to the film yet, watch a couple of his YouTube videos, and you'll know. Do I want to spend ninety minutes with this right. person? And if you do, you will enjoy the same, this movie. We've always said that about Napoleon. Yeah. All you got to do is watch that opening se- sequence on the school bus. That's right. If you're in, you're in. If yeah. you're out, get out now. Get out now. <laughs> you know, because it is, It is. if you don't really enjoy this particular character, he is going to wear on you uh, 90 minutes in. But if you do, it's kind of a fun Scooby-Doo sort of episode, except that, you know, Scoob and the gang all worship the devil. But, you know, if you can get past that, <laughs> yeah. it is it is quite fun. Jeffrey uh, Combs plays Bartok. Uh, it's always wonderful to see him. Uh, Barbara Crampton plays uh, plays Onyx's mother, and it's always great to see her. Always, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's a silly adventure. You know, he gets invited. He's a loser, and he gets invited to this, and they're all excited to go to this ritual. He and, essentially, a bunch of other losers. And they're all excited that they've been invited, but it's, you know what? There probably shouldn't be. They should have thought this through. Um, and it is. It's just a silly, goofy, fun time. Yeah, very simply, like you said, uh, if Go to check out the YouTube video, and if you'd like to see more of it, here you go. That's right. That's out on a VOD now after some uh, one-night events a couple of weeks ago. Onyx, the Fortuitous, and the Talisman of Souls. We'll stay on VOD for a fascinating documentary. Journalist David Ferrier from Tickled. Remember that one? Uh, he's drawn into a game of cat and mouse with a mysterious individual. Delving deeper, he unearths a trail of court cases Royal bloodlines and ruined lives in a true story of psychological warfare. It's called Mr. Organ. He knows I'm making a film about him, and I think he wants to be a part of it. He followed me down to my bedroom, and he punched me in the head six times. Michael Organ is a black hole. You kind of get taken along for the ride. And I've fallen in. Well, he is a genius. I'm literally trapped with him. But the problem with Michael is once he gets on to you, he won't let go. You probably would have been quite an interesting person to know if you weren't such a cut. Matt Weiner reviewed this one for us and A, gave it four and a half stars. B, probably wished he hadn't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's it's just, it's one of those movies that will just give you a panic attack it watching will. it. It's one right. of those things where, you know, you just sort of stumble into meeting somebody, getting involved with somebody who you're you're tainted forever. And yep. that's the thing is, there's really nothing scarier than a bad person with a lot of time and plenty of money. And plenty of money, exactly. Especially in today's age. I mean, if you if you watch Tickled, uh, that's oh, the same yeah. same director here, you know how as it got deeper and deeper, you're like, what? Yes. What? Well, this is in a, in a different way, but it's also so you cannot believe this guy knows there's a movie being made about him. And he seems to relish that mm. in some way because he's just digging the knife in deeper. And like you said, he's got the time, yeah. he's got the money, and he's got the patience, and he will wear you out. Yeah, and the thing that's the most interesting about the movie is that it turns into a movie about the documentarian. Yeah. It's it's his is the really the quote character arc. And it's 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 a brilliant film and and incredibly unnerving. Yes, exactly. Just anxiety give you yeah. anxieties. Yeah. That to, and, and you it's one of those where you start to think, how what if this was me? How right. could I deal with this? Right. I don't want any part of no, this. No, it makes you not want to watch it. <laughs> uh, that is uh, on VOD. Oh, by all means, check out Matt Wiener's uh, four-and-a-half-star review. You can find it at madwolf.com for uh, Mr. Organ on VOD Now.
Also on VOD this week, a horror thriller. Spending the night in her car, a newly homeless woman wrestles with exhaustion, her crumbling marriage, and the threat of mysterious masked strangers. Ghosts of the Void. Okay, Tyler, calm down, baby. Dad! Come out! Now! You're in control of the situation. You're in control of the situation. Let's pause in life's pleasure. What do you want? And count its many tears. While what do you want? I'm living out of my car. I have nothing left to give you! Yet another four and a half star review. I guess VOD is where to be this week. I guess. This yeah. from Christy Robb, which in she called this movie essentially a home invasion movie without the home. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's tense and scary, but it's also a comment on just American life and capitalism and how easily you can find yourself in this situation. And it makes a horror movie out of it. And a lot of times, uh, you know, sort of uh, horror movies with a social conscience or horror movies that are a depiction in a horrific way of something we live with every day, sometimes they can be the most effective. And she certainly thought this one was. Oh, yeah. We've said that very often when we talk about horror, how you can go back through the years. And, you know, the horror movies reflect the times oh, and yeah. the anxieties Absolutely. of the times. And here's somebody. And it's writer-director Jason Miller who has tapped into that a different sort of of home invasion movie and very effectively. So uh, check out Christie's review, another four and a half star review. Yeah. At madwolf.com, but it is on VOD now. Big recommendation for ghosts of the void. And one more on VOD this week, four couples attempt to find true love in a virtual world by going to absurd extremes in a world where the metaverse is commonly used. It's called love virtually. So my wife is having an affair with an AI. Hi, I'm Chatbot. Do you love him? He really gets me. He created a dating app with an allergen algorithm. You may need to sandbag. You downplay your looks and your celebrity in order to attract someone who would love you for you. You want me to come to your party? Find me a date. How about her? She's wearing a KKK shirt. No races, man. Let's meet for reading. VR. I don't feel like I'm your priority. Nothing is more important to me than... I'm so sorry, I gotta take this. Are you two also in love? No, we're having an affair. Yeah, just started. Close enough. This is from writer-director L.E. Steinman, and one of the first things that jumped out at me about this, Sherry O'Terry. Yeah. Over the years, I've often wondered, because she was so funny on Saturday Night Live, and then you're like, what happened to Sherry (laughs) O'Terry? She's got a supporting role in this. She does. Uh, Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us, and... You know, she wanted to like it. It's one of those sort of, you know, how difficult it is to to navigate a world that is so much virtual and yeah. also the just flesh and blood romance kind of love angle. It just gets very convoluted. And also, I think more pr- troublingly is the visuals, The you know, the the sort of everything is done inside this VI world. And um, it, it all looks like. Tomb Raider. It all looks like, you know, it all looks like 1996 yeah. visuals. And that's, you know, in some films, it would be a comment of some sort. But in this film, it doesn't feel like it is. It just it just feels like it's not very well made. Um, and that the story doesn't always hang together very well. 
there are some good points. There are some decent performances, but on the whole, it just it can't quite kind of reach the promise of its of its uh, premise. And the cast also features Stephen Tobolowski, long time that guy, mm-hmm. long time mm-hmm. that guy, and also Paul F. Tompkins, yeah. who you might know him for he's that comedian, stand up comedian who drinks Guinness while as he's doing yeah. his stand, yeah, doing his routine. So. Uh, some familiar faces there, and check out Rachel's review at madwolf.com. That's on VOD now, called Love Virtually. All right, I know we got big news this week. Let's uh, head to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Time to check back into the lobby. Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer. And, well, I guess I know the big news this week. The strike appears to be over. Yay! Yes, the SAG strike is over. Um, they reached a tentative agreement. Of course, their members have to ratify it in the right. coming weeks. But odds are that they probably will. So work should begin or resume on a lot of productions um, over the coming weeks. Yeah, and we and, can start having films promoted as well. Yeah. Yes, that's the big one, really, because you know everything else that's going to resume isn't going to probably isn't going to come out until the back half of next next year. But right. yeah. being able to promote stuff is good, and hey, maybe it means the bike riders can still come out. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Of course, the other big news of the week, I guess, it just dropped yesterday. Um, despite saying that they would no longer do this back in January, Warner Brothers has decided to vault another completed movie for tax credit. Man, and that is Coyote versus Acme. It was a Looney Tunes movie that would have starred John Cena, uh, where the uh, <laughs> Wiley Coyote sues the Acme company for their faulty products. I think that's very clever. Apparently, it had tested through the roof, but I guess that didn't matter to the uh, powers that be. Wow, that th- just seems. Fishy. I mean, isn't there a bad movie they could not put out? <laughs> <laughs> Surely <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> there is. Technically, there's time for the decision to be reversed because they wouldn't be able to take the tax credit until March of next year. But they didn't reverse any of the previous ones, and I doubt they'll reverse this one. Man. On to lighter news. Yes. Um, things we can actually watch. Uh, Gareth Edwards' sci-fi epic, The Creator, will be available on premium VOD on November 14th, so just in a few days. Cool. And Apple TV has a new live-action adaptation of The Velveteen Rabbit that will be premiering on November 22nd. If you want to cry your eyes out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny will finally be available on Disney Plus beginning December 1st. And the Ranger director Jen Wexler's new holiday horror film, The Sacrifice Game, will premiere on Shudder on December 8th. Ooh. Shudder. Uh, Samuel Goldwyn Films has set a December 13th release for France's epic new two-part adaptation of The Three Musketeers. Um, both Three Musketeers Part 1, D'Artagnan, and Part 2, Milady, will arrive in select theaters here on that date. Um, they're lavish productions with thousands of extras for their bigger sequences, and the cast includes Vincent Cassell, uh, Vicky Creeps, and Ava Green, so those might be worth keeping an eye out for. Mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg's Apple TV Plus exclusive action comedy, The Family Plan, is premiering on December 15th, if you need your Marky Mark fix this holiday season. (laughs) Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid is finally hitting streaming uh, via Paramount Plus on December 21st. And then moving into next year, before we get to any postponements and delays, I'll I'll cover those next week because they're still rolling out. Mm -hmm. But some concrete dates for some other things. Kevin Costner in between seasons of Yellowstone has been directing a new multi multi-film western epic 
called Horizon, an American Saga. That's going to begin rolling out next summer. Chapter 1 will hit theaters on June 28th, followed by Chapter 2 on August 16th. It is a four-film series that will cover the American push west from pre-Civil War to post-Civil War. And I guess he's shooting Chapters 3 and 4 next year, so those will probably drop in 2025. Hmm. Busy. Big, big project. Back to the horror front, Paramount has set an October 18th, 2024 release for Smile 2. And then about a week later, Terrifier 3 will hit theaters. And that one will be a Christmas horror movie in October. <laughs> and I've got two project, well, sort of project announcements for you to close things out. Um, first up, though, they're both Amazon MGM projects. The first one is um, Amazon's Down and Dirty Superior Movie Samaritan is getting a sequel. I guess it did very, very well for them. Um, it was pretty much their first big hit and pulled in more views than their Lord of the Rings prequel series. Ooh. So Sly found himself another franchise. Mm-hmm. And then finally, this one will make Hope happy, um, <laughs> MGM and Amazon have set a tentative fall release for Dion Taylor's Blackula, which will go <gasps> into production early next year. And instead of a remake, it will actually be a modern-day set third installment with Blackula reawakening decades after his 1970s rampages and out for blood and vengeance. Again. Who's playing him? Who's playing him? They have not announced that yet. Mm, that's going to be that's going to be a big part of it. Yep, Who can carry that mantle? Huh? Yeah. I'm going to break out the dress. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, good stuff. We can always catch up with uh, news and notes from Daniel at the Schlocketeer on the socials. Appreciate it, as always. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, before we get to uh, what's coming up next week, we got big news this week. That is right. You know what you can do on Tubi right now? You can watch the recommended horror comedy, Obstacle Corpse, and we think you ought to. I think we've been saying for a few weeks now it's coming to Tubi because that's what they kept telling us. Uh, and now it is on Tubi. It is on Tubi. It's still on. It's still on uh, Amazon. Yeah. And it's still on Voodoo. Voodoo. So feel free by all means, That's and you can right. watch it uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. But on Tubi, you know how Tubi works. You get the ads in there, but you do get to watch it for free. That's right. And we would love it if you did. In fact, we just noticed this week we've had a few more reviews come in. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for those for those very nice reviews. And uh, check it out, Obstacle Corpse. That is our movie, if you didn't know. Um, that is on uh, Tubi now and also uh, other forms of streaming. So check it out. Do it. All right, looking ahead to next week. we got a big one coming. The Hunger Games, The Battle of Songbirds and Snakes. We'll be honest, not a lot of, we're not really excited about this, but some of the early word yeah. is very, very good. Well, Peter Dinklage and Viola Davis, uh, you know, I'm in right there, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I never thought, I haven't thought to myself, ooh, I wonder if well, they would ever make another, whatever. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. see. Yeah. Also, and I'm more excited about this one, <laughs> Thanksgiving. It's yeah. Eli Roth returning to that short that he made right. years ago for Grindhouse. If you remember Grindhouse, oh. all those great fake trailers. Yeah. And how many now have been, of course, they made Machete was the first one. Yeah, and uh, Hobo with a Shotgun Hobo came with a shotgun. out of that idea. Yeah, um, well, Thanksgiving was one of them, yeah. and now we get the full the full feature uh, film, and that's coming out next week. Also, the ladies from Trolls, Trolls Band Together. And then Taika Waititi's new one, The Next Goal Wins. And that's with Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. That's based on a true story, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Also, May, December, that's um, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. 
Then The Stones and Brian Jones. Mm, which one of us is going to review that, I wonder? <laughs> and also Blow Up My Life. All right, we'll see what that's about. But that's next week. Got a lot to talk about this week. Marvels and the holdovers. It's a wonderful knife. Nick Cage. What else is going on? Let us know what you think. It's always good to keep the conversation going. You can find us easily on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf. Also Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram and Threads. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews, uh, as well as our other podcast, our horror movie-only podcast. New one coming soon, by the way, That's because, right. in fact, we tape one live with an audience tonight. Yes, we do. So that'll be coming. All that fun is found uh, anytime at madwolf.com. So a lot to uh, lot to take in, a lot to discuss, a lot to enjoy, hopefully, as we get deeper into the holiday season. Keep in touch if you can. If not, we will talk uh, again next week. And she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>